This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the fall of 2022, we're examining Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah, and we're in our second session on Jonah. Tim Pollard is joining us again today. Tim gives leadership to Explore the Bible Kids resource team. So, Tim, thank you for being with us, and thank you for being our resident Jonah expert. All right. It's a great book. Love it. And we are looking here at chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Jonah's returned. He's, he's spoken. He's preached. Gave probably the shortest sermon anybody could ever preach. And the people of Nineveh have, re, have turned. They've repented. And they have turned to God. And that's where we pick up. In Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we've entitled that section in the outline, Contempt. After the Ninevites repented and God relented, Jonah became furious and asked for God to take his life. He revealed his prejudice toward the Ninevites, stating that he did not desire to preach to them for fear of them turning to God. God questioned Jonah, but no response is recorded. The application point for us is that believers should examine their lives for prejudices that get in their way of fulfilling God's redemption. The second section in our outline is entitled Anger, and this looks at chapter 4, verses 5 through 9 of Jonah. Jonah found a place east of Nineveh where he made a temporary hut in hopes of seeing the city destroyed. God provided a plant for shade that withered due to a worm. God followed that with a scorching wind that caused Jonah to nearly faint. Jonah once again angrily asked for God to just take his life. The main point for us is that selfish anger leads to despair and misguided priorities. The last part of our outline, verses 10 and 11 of chapter 4, we've entitled Compassion. In these verses, God pointed to Jonah's concern for a plant that lasted only a day. God then asked Jonah if it was wrong for him to show compassion to a city that had no idea they were in the wrong. The main point for us is that believers are to demonstrate godly compassion to all people. Now, to begin with, Tim, Jonah had prophesied that the city of Nineveh is going to be destroyed, but that did not happen because of their repentance. A true prophet was noted by their predictions coming true. So how do we account for Jonah's prophecy or prediction not coming true at this point? I just love the fact that <laughs> that Jonah's entire sermon was, in 40 days, none of us going to be destroyed. So <laughs> That's his sermon. I that's, mean, that's the whole thing. If you didn't, if you didn't get it from that, you're not going to get it. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. So, what more can I say? That's that's all yeah. I got for you people. Um, so, like you said, I mean, you know, uh, a test of a true prophet was that their prophecy would be fulfilled. And I, I think a lot of times, um, you know, we look back at historical prophecy, and and we see that things were fulfilled 
ultimately, I mean, eventually Nineveh was captured. Uh, the Babylonians did take over the city and ultimately Assyria ceased to be a major power. So ultimately what Jonah prophesied did come true, um, but it, it didn't happen in current time frame. So the people who were there, and I think part of that is, is part of Jonah's frustration uh, with what happened um, that, you know, he might be seen as a as a false prophet. God had called him to to prophesy. He he begrudgingly did what God asked him to do, and now he thinks you know people are just going to think I'm a false prophet because what I said in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed, didn't come true. So, um, but you know, like I said, ultimately it did come to fruition. Assyria did cease to exist as a major world power. <clears throat> So Jonah, after that happens, after, you know, he's already angry, verse 5, he goes up to a place east of the city, builds himself a shelter, and there he sits in the shade to see what's going to happen to the city. <laughs> what do we think Jonah thinks was going to happen? I think that what Jonah expected to happen is exactly what God did, um, because he, he, he basically says that. <laughs> Yeah. I loved one of the quotes that was in the in the commentary, and this is good. I'm going to paraphrase this. Um, it, basically, Jonah is the only prophet to deliver God's message and then go outside the city and set up camp and, and wait for his prophecy to come true. <laughs> and I think the irony of that is because of Jonah's prejudices. Uh, you know, most of the prophets that God has called are prophesying warnings to the nations of Judah and of Israel. You know, those people they, they, they have compassion for. They have concern. Absolutely. They, they had concern for those people. They wanted, they wanted that redemption to come. Uh, but Jonah doesn't. You know, Jonah basically wants these people to be completely obliterated off the face of the earth. And that's, he just, he sets up his camp chair and, and waits for it to happen. But he knew, you know, intuitively i know that that jonah understood exactly what god was going to do which is what made him mad you know he he proved god's faithfulness and then and then got angry because god was was true to to his word <laughs> jonah's a complex individual at that point isn't he? he is he is i mean he's he's obedient to god but his obedience was i'll, I'll deliver the message god's gonna get you that's exactly. But it's only got in 40 days, none of it will be destroyed. That's it. I fulfilled yeah. my responsibility. I, I've done what what you asked me to do. And now I'm going to sit out here and wait for you to do it. Yeah, there's, there, you're going to be destroyed, but there's, I, and that's all I'm going to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you how you can avoid it. <laughs> it's exactly right. Because I want, I want exactly what I just said. Verse 11 talks about the city not knowing the difference between their right and their left hand. What does that phrase mean? Well, it could mean a lot of things. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I think people um, interpret in a lot of different ways. You know, it, it could mean that there were a bunch of babies in the city that, that didn't really understand. Um, you know, it, it's a phrase I think commonly we use today to, to refer to infants or 
people who have not gained the knowledge of the differences between their right hand and their left hand. I mean, taken to its literal form, that, that could be what it meant. Um, it could just refer to the, the city's basic moral ignorance could mean the frailty or the mortality of, of humanity. Uh, you know, personally, I, I think what he's talking about is that the Ninevites had repented of their sin and they've basically started this baby journey on understanding who God is. You know, Paul uses the same analogy uh, when he talks about milk. You know, you give babies milk. But at some point, they need to be weaned from that um, and start eating solid food. So, you know, I, I think it could mean it could mean that it could mean that that they've started this journey toward understanding who God is and they want to grow in, in that knowledge of who God is. So this particular Bible story, Bible event, I, I hesitate to use story because some people view a story as you know, like something, something made, that's up. Been made up and I don't, uh, this is a, this is an actual event. Uh, we give Jonah, we discredit Jonah sometimes. Um, we don't give him a whole lot of credit, but to his credit, he at least wrote his story. Right. He, <laughs> this would have been hard to write about on the end of it, explaining what you went through. Um, <laughs> and he at least did that, but we're left hanging at the end of the story. We don't know what happened next. Help, help, help us think through maybe the reasons for that or what could have happened or something sure. to kind of help us tie that up. And because that's frustrating to me, not know what sure. happened next. Absolutely. And I, and I will just tag off of what you just said. You know, uh, part, part of it is that, um, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us what Jonah's response ultimately was, but obviously we know that this event was recorded. So, at some point, you know, there may have been <laughs> the issue of, hey, I really was kind of kind of a little bit rebellious there. So, um, but, you know, one of my favorite phrases to use when I teach kids is, you know, they'll ask complex, complicated questions. And a lot of times the answer is, you know, the Bible just, the Bible does not tell us. It, it doesn't tell us the answer to that question. And it doesn't tell us what happened to Jonah at the end of the story. And one of the other things that I picked up on as I was reading through some of the, your commentaries and stuff, you know, it says part of it is that, that Jonah's story really has now become our story. Um, you know, it is it is the story to help us. Like I shared last week when we talked about, you know, the pastor who preached that sermon who identified himself as Jonah. I think there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. And and I think that's the point that that we're trying to make here. You know, at the end of the story, it's kind of left open for us to complete that story. How are we going to respond to the, the facts that are in there? How are we going to take the questions that God asked Jonah and Jonah asked God? And, and how are they going to affect our lives? What are we going to do in response? And I think that personal application is one of the things that we always need to, to draw out of our Bible study. What are one we going to do? One of the questions that, that uh, kind of haunts me as I look at this is, is the idea of how we as believers can show compassion mm -hmm. to other believers from different cultures. If, if salvation is available to all, and we mm -hmm. believe that, I do believe that. Absolutely. That's true. And we're supposed to make, make disciples of all nations, which is 
the key doctrine for this this particular lesson mm -hmm. is about evangelism and missions, and it is, is our duty and privilege uh, as followers of Christ to endeavor to make disciples of all nations. Then that means even those that we may have a, a prejudice towards, and I, I I hate to use the word everybody because that mm -hmm. you know when you see it every in a true or false question that's usually means it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but I think most of us are going to admit that we have some kind of prejudice somewhere towards something, someone, sure. something. And it, 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 it could be a variety of things. But if that's true, that salvation is available to all and that we have the responsibility of taking the gospel to all nations, uh, then we would find ourselves in Jonah in some form or fashion where there's somebody there is a Nineveh for us mm -hmm. and we probably won't be able. And I like using the word probably because that way it's not at all. We probably will not be able to continue to grow in our spiritual walk until we cross that bridge. Absolutely agree. Because we don't understand God's compassion and God's heart until we do. And I think that's one of the interesting things. I'm glad you said that because one of the interesting things I think about the story of Jonah is that very thing where I, I think, Jonah knew and understood the nature of God, and he knew that God was compassionate. You know, he'd read the Old Testament. He'd read the, the, the law of Moses, and he understood. I mean, he knew who God was, but he, he also knew, um, I mean, I think that he, he also would have known that, that God's compassion would be for all people. And I think this is one of the instances where we can see, you know, this is a prelude to what happened following Christ's resurrection, where the gospel was preached, not just to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. So here we see God's grace to Gentiles in the Old Testament. Um, you know, there are similar examples in other books in the Old Testament, too, where God extended his grace to, to people who were not his chosen uh, nation of Israel people. So, um, you know, I think what you said is just, it's so on target for where we are today. You know, we're, there are people out there, you know, I, I thought about this a lot when I was reading through the commentary, you know, I used to, um, or I say to people all the time, you know, we can, we can pray for people who are big ticket people who are not believers. Um, because God made a radical change in Paul's life, and God can do the very same thing today. Um, so you you know you think of whoever it is that you have in your crosshairs that are maybe in in your perception unlovable, unwilling, unable to be saved, and and the Bible clearly teaches us that that is not a thing. You know everyone has has that same. Um, ability and no matter who it is when you think about the the the, the two men on, on the cross who were crucified mm -hmm. with jesus they obviously deserved to be there they knew they deserved to be there mm -hmm. they deserved that treatment whatever they had done we don't know what crime they had done but whatever crime they had done that guy that, that one thief particularly knew he was he that, that the punishment he was receiving was just absolutely. which means absolutely he was a he was a rough cat, <laughs> right? To, to admit that I deserve this, and it's uh, I mean, 
he, I, we don't know what he did in the background, but he did something. And yet Christ offers him the opportunity to be with him in paradise. And, and the, 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 the guy accepts it. Um, that could tell us a lot. Absolutely. About this. One of the teaching ideas that's in the leader guide, that's in the options. So it's, it's labeled art. And what it, uh, we're encouraged to do is assign each person one of the following characters or objects. Jonah, God, the plant, the worm, and Nineveh. And then the idea that's written is to direct the people to review the passage and illustrate the role their assigned character or object played, and then to help the group recreate uh, the order of the events that took place using their illustrations. Another way to do this would be to hand paper and a pencil or whatever uh, to each person and assign them Jonah, God, the plant, worm, and Nineveh. And then as you walk through the lesson, have them illustrate the role or something critical about that person or object or item, uh, and then use that to, at the end of the group time, to, to summarize, bring it all together, and that be how you conclude the actual study time, would be everybody showing their illustration, and you've got an idea of, of the whole picture there, and uh, use it to point to God's compassion. Any other key thoughts or ideas, Tim, before we call it a day? I don't think so. Thank you for being with us, Tim. Thank you for being our Jonah expert. It was my pleasure. Yeah. Before we go, let me remind our folks out there about Extra. We identify a current a news event and describe a way of using that news event to introduce and conclude the group time. The file is free, and you can find these ideas on the Explore the Bible website by typing the following in your web browser. GoExploreTheBible.com forward slash leader extras there's no spaces no dashes just go explore the bible.com forward slash leader extras thank you for listening to us today tune in next week bob bunn will be joining me he'll be with me for the next four weeks we'll be looking at the book of hosea during those four weeks and bob will be our resident expert on hosea we'll be looking at chapter one verses two through nine and chapter three one through five next week uh, from hosea and the main idea there is that God offers grace to people even when they're unfaithful to him. <laughs>